0: Thank you another part of the story, the Christmas story this morning, um, different to last week, in so many ways, because last week we had a look at Mary, and this week we are looking at Joseph. So we began the Christmas journey to Bethlehem, we saw the angel Gabriel appear to Mary, she was pledged, if you remember, to be married to Joseph. And when the angel told her God was going to give her a child by the Holy Spirit who she would call Jesus, he would be, the Bible says, great and be called son of the most high. And I asked last week, and we sort of alluded to Joseph, but what about Joseph, her husband to be? This would be the most awkward and controversial situation for everybody concerned. Would it not? It would be horrendous. We've got to remember that these are real people. And this time, these moments would have been extremely difficult. Mary has listened to what the angel has told her. She's accepted God's word. And by faith, trusted that he's got it in hand. But Joseph... Well, he must have been, quite honestly, at the first news from Mary, he must have been devastated. Because how do you believe something like that? How do you believe something like that? The only time in history that this story could actually be accepted, he would be absolutely devastated. How do you even process the news that Mary is going to, uh, to do this, to give birth to a son that is not his and Mary saying it's from the holy spirit because god has met with me how does he begin to deal with the situation well let's have a look matthew chapter 1 18 through 25 the bible says this this is how the birth of jesus the messiah came about his mother mary was pledged to be married to joseph But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That's as far as we got. Says, But Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. That's an incredible verse, to be quite honest. But after he had considered this, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for your word this morning. And we pray, Lord God, that you would speak through me, you'd speak through your word, that, Father, we would see more clearly this morning your wonder and your beauty, that, Father, we would understand the complexity of what you've done in order to bring these two lines together, to bring out the perfect, to bring out God with us, Emmanuel. And we pray, Lord, that you would just bless us now. We ask these prayers in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So first of all, we've got to ask the question, who is Joseph? Um, If somebody was to ask who are you, we have a a brief summary, don't we, of who we are. You may not have thought about it. But if you think about it, you have a brief summary of who you are. But the truth is about Joseph, he is, well, a nobody. You you may have the same description. I know I do. I'm a nobody from nowhere, essentially. He is a carpenter or a stonemason. But the Bible says that he's from the line of David. And that's really important because the line of David gets us to the town of David, which is, of course, not Nazareth. It's Bethlehem. And that is massively important for the story and for the accounts and for everything that God has set in motion. Also, we know clearly as we read the word that he is a faithful Jewish guy who clearly loves and respects his future wife, Mary. And verse 19 really alludes to all of that. I'm not just plucking that out of the air. It says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, so he was a, an honourable Jewish guy, and yet he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace because he respected her and he loved her. He had in mind to divorce her quietly, which is right, according to the law. But Mary, as far as the world would see it, was completely and utterly out of order. We can conclude from his reaction that Joseph was certain that something had gone off. He was disappointed And he just wanted to go about his life from this point as quiet as possible. You can imagine um, in reality for Joseph that this would have been a huge huge decision for him, immense, so difficult for him to comprehend. But listen, we've got to go into, and forgive me here because I don't want you to switch off when I say the word genealogy, but let's go into it just a little bit because I want to pull something out that you may or may not have ever seen before. Because of some pretty bad sin, a lot of years ago, prior to this moment here, from a guy called Judah, Joseph was indeed a nobody, instead of, are you ready for this? Instead of being the king who was sitting on the throne currently. Because that was Herod, if you remember. Herod's in charge. And that is only because of sin where God went down this route and not this route. And Joseph was a nobody from nowhere. He could have quite easily been the king of Israel, sitting on the throne in Jerusalem. Now, there's what people would consider some difference in the genealogies that we read in Matthew and in Luke. And you might look at those and go, there is a difference. And if you've ever read the genealogies, don't read them that way, read them that way. Makes more sense. And I like to read things, because I'm odd like that, from the bottom upwards, and it helps me. I don't know why, why are different. But read them backwards and you go, oh, now I get it, because otherwise it doesn't make sense to you. Anyway, but as you read through the two genealogies, we get to this point in both Matthew and in Luke where one goes from David to Solomon, and that's Joseph's line, and one goes from David to Nathan, who was also uh, David's, uh, David's child, goes from David to Nathan instead of David to Solomon, and that is Mary's line. So Mary and Joseph were lineage... Apart from each other, but their lineage is going to come to a crescendo. It's almost like somebody was outside of the picture making sure that the picture got to where it needed to get. Do you remember the tapestry illustration? From the back of it, it looks a mess. There's sin over here. Judah's made a mistake. The lineage goes through Judah and gets us to a point where we're in a bit of a mess, as we'll find out with Joseph. And then the lineage over here goes through Nathan, which gets us to a point where, well, actually, Mary, she's also in a mess because the lineage can't go any further. On both sides of Mary and Joseph, we're about to see that their lineage could not go any further unless they got together. Almost like somebody had it in mind. So Joseph and nobody was of the house of David. We know that for a fact. But the line that God had sent Joseph from was from a line that was cursed. Way back in Jeremiah 22, verse 28 through 30, there's a guy called Jehoiakim. And the Bible records for us that God has said that none of your descendants, you'll be childless. Not in the sense that you won't have any kids, but none of your descendants will ever get on the throne of David. Ever. And that is what God said. So do you know what that means? Joseph comes from that line. He comes from that root, as Matthew has picked out. So Joseph's in a mess, because Joseph can't ever get to the point where God intends him to get. And then Mary, also a nobody, was from the same line, the line of David, but that came from Nathan, so the other son. And Nathan's line is uninterrupted by a curse But, of course, Mary's female. Mary had no other siblings that the Bible records for us. So we can only assume, and of course that makes the the whole pyramid work, that Mary was an only child. And the lineage can't go through a daughter. So, essentially, Mary's parents, it would stop there. And Joseph, he's never going to get to a point because the lineage is cursed. So he can't get any further. What Joseph needs to do is inherit a lineage that he couldn't possibly ever attain. And as he marries Mary, all of a sudden, he receives all of the inheritance and the lineage that comes from Mary's father, who is of a line that's uninterrupted by a curse, who is of a line that's still of the house of David. Of course, it goes then through the man, but without Mary, this doesn't happen. You see how God has made two lines which seem completely worlds apart, get to a point where it can't go any further. Often when we read through scripture and we see discrepancies between Matthew and Luke, you'd go, well, the, the lineage, the genealogy is completely different. But it's not. It's the same route. And it gets us to the same point where Joseph and Mary are handpicked by God in order To deliver in order to get to the town of David, as a census is called, in order to get Mary and Joseph, the two sides of the lineage, the genealogy, to the point where Emmanuel, God with us, is born. God doesn't make mistakes. And I I apologise if I've gone over it briefly, but I'd love to share with you. So if you've got any questions, come and ask me. Because the reality is here that this is absolutely, completely and utterly staggering. And it gets us to a point now where we can see that they're going to go to the town of David. And they're going to, Mary's going to give birth to the Messiah. And incredibly, everything that was meant to happen to get us to this point concludes with a crescendo of these genealogies meeting, the perfect culmination. Imagine to get to that point that was prophesied 700 years ago, all of that, all of those people, all of those families, that everything had to go absolutely, completely and utterly perfect in order for Jesus to be given to Mary and Joseph to take her as his wife. And when you step outside of of Scripture and you step outside of the Bible and you look at some of these prophecies and you see how the world sort of says, well, how can it possibly be? That can't be the case. How can that Jesus be the Messiah? Listen, it was prophesied 700 years before this. And the, the steps that had to take place to get to this point is just breathtaking. It, do you know what, church, it's impossible unless God's involved. Completely and utterly impossible unless God is involved. So here we are then, Mary and Joseph. Uh, Joseph has in mind to divorce, uh, divorce her quietly, but God sends his angel then to intervene. God sends his, sends his angel again into the story. Verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Joseph's reaction now, if not already uh, breathtaking because of what we've read in verse 19, becomes even more so. His spiritual maturity, his faith in action, his obedience are absolutely incredible to step into the turmoil that was about to come. Because just because Joseph accepts Mary and accepts the truth doesn't mean his family's going to. Doesn't mean his friends are going to. Doesn't mean the town, the village, his society, his circle of people are going to. How do they accept it? She's pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Of course she is. You see the reality here. Of course she is. And Joseph's spiritual maturity. Yes, the angel meets him in a dream, but still church to step. You know, so often I've I've mentioned this to say, Lord, I want to know what your will is. And when the Lord shows us what his will is, you know, it takes faith and obedience to step, doesn't it? Because it might not be what I wanted. It might not be what I thought was going to happen. And God says, look, I just, this is it. And you go, whoa, you want me to do what? You see, the reality is that Joseph showed all of the attributes that I've mentioned and so much more. Joseph knew his calling and he would have been convinced that he was able to step, that God had it all in hand. It says when Joseph woke, in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and he took Mary home as his wife. And we've just seen in that moment what God can do even when sin appears to be completely and utterly in the way. Joseph's line was never going to get us there. Mary had got to a point where she also couldn't get us there. Sin, at this moment, had caused what seemed a completely unpenetrable blockade. And I think that that is exactly the same for you and me. That we get to a point where we realise that there is no way that I can get to a holy God because he's perfect. And I know that I'm a sinner and that I've done things wrong. I know that there is a blockade in the way. That I can't get to God because he's perfect and I am not. And the Bible tells us that there is the son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. And as Kev alluded to and said this morning, in simple terms, that because of Jesus, we're able to get to a place that we could never get. Because of what Jesus has done for us. He came to be born in a stable, but he had in mind the cross. Amen. He had in mind the cross. That Jesus came so that we might have life. And the blockade of sin that stopped us from getting to God, the blockade of sin that was in the way, God has removed through Jesus. God has removed by Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came to deal with our sin once and for all on the cross. And we can be forgiven. We can be set free from sin and death. And church, all we have to do is say sorry and accept Christ as our saviour. It's as simple as that. Something that is impossible for us to get over, God has said I've made possible through Jesus. And my challenge to you at this Christmas time, if you don't yet know Christ as your saviour, is not to put it off is to realise that there is a God who loves you. There is a God who has made perfect the genealogies and the lineage in order to bring about the Messiah, the Son of God. That he would be born in the little town of David in Bethlehem, in a crib. There was no room for him. Will you make room for him this Christmas? Will you accept Christ as your Saviour? Will you pass from death to life? and receive life that is truly life, that we can only get through the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross. What was impossible has been made possible only through Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you once again this morning for your word. Father, we thank you for its encouragement. And Lord, so often we just see the messy side of the tapestry and we don't know what's going off. But Lord, we thank you that you see the beautiful picture at the front. That Lord, you're in complete and utter control. And Father, we thank you that we've been able to see over these last couple of weeks the faith and obedience that Mary and Joseph put into action. And I just pray, Lord, that you would help us to see how they could be so sure, even in the midst of horrendous turmoil that would have ensued from these moments that they were utterly convinced that you were in control and they were willing to step in faith and obedience. And we pray, Lord, that you might just help us to think on that, to reflect upon that. And we pray, Lord, for those this morning that don't yet know you as Lord and Saviour, that your Holy Spirit might move, that lives might be changed. Father, way your gospel has been preached and will be preached today up and down the country and throughout the world, we pray, Lord God, that lives might be changed. We ask all of these prayers and enter our Saviour's precious name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.